0: And every week, He asks us to say something. And I've been saying the same thing for a long time. And I'm not really sure that I believe what I've been saying. I believe that this is the power of God's Word. And it can change my life and your life and anybody's life in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Turn to your neighbor and say, What was he up to? Hey, you was going with me for a little bit. (laughs) Let's take a look at our promo video as we begin this morning. All right. Paul's mission. Last week we um, introduced the beginning of the church. And the beginning of the church is a powerful time. Jesus had lived and died and been buried and rose again. And the apostles really didn't know what to do. They were huddled up and praying, wondering, hoping, but not sure. Afraid and uncertain. We talked about that. We also talked about things the church is not. Real quickly, the church is not a movie theater. You don't come to church to get entertained. If that's what you come for, well, there's some bigger, better venues that have, have more lights and more bells and whistles than we do. I mean, we've got a few. but Some of them, whew, man, they've got smoke coming off the stage. They've got full orchestras and bands and loud. And man, it's loud. In fact, one of them, they have earphones at the door when you come in just in case it's too loud. Well, that should be the first indication that it's going to be too loud. <laughs> but. I guess loudness is a form of godliness. But we're not a movie theater where you sit back and get entertained. We're not a shopping center where you just show up, get what you want, get what you need, take off. Church is not a restaurant where you come in to be served and to be waited on. <laughs> well, we have a tendency for that, don't we? Especially if we're having a fellowship dinner. Somebody, somebody get my food for me. Somebody, give me something to drink. Somebody, clean this up. Somebody, because I'm done, I'm leaving. Well, it's got to be cleaned up, stuff thrown away. Well, somebody will do it. Not for me. I just came to eat and leave. How? (laughs) So we're not a restaurant. Not a restaurant for that. Church is not a gas station where you get filled up and you head back out in life. Go, Hip, here we go. Even though it's a good thing to have it, have happen to you. Let's get filled up. But we ought to leave to serve. Amen. And we're not a gym where the only people that are accepted in the gym are those who are already in shape. <laughs> gym ought to be for a place, a place where people that are out of shape get to go and get in shape. Amen. Yeah. I feel a little better because sometimes I... People have missed a few weeks at the gym where I work out. And they come back and they put on some weight. (laughs) I feel better. Because I have a tendency to do the same thing. So, you know, see them brag about it on Facebook till you see them in person. You go, okay, looking good. The church really isn't a place at all. It's a family. And families, oftentimes... Have certain members of those families that everybody just tolerates. Amen? You know, when you have a family gathering and you wait to see if that one shows up, because if that one shows up, and when we have our family gatherings on Cindy's side, we just kind of sit and watch. That's fun. One of them in particular, she's more fun than the rest. But we have a good time. You do too. That's what happens at church sometimes. Because church is a family. And the thing about church being a family is that we learn to love each other in spite of how we might be perceived. So you may not be as pretty, you may not be as quick, you may not be as flashy. But we still love you because you're part of the family. In fact, you may have a quirk that doesn't look right. We still love you because you're part of the family. Amen. Is it making sense? See, the church is God's plan for pursuing his people. God sent Jesus, Jesus died, He ascended to heaven, and when He established the church, the church was to get out and get people and bring them to the Lord. Bring them to salvation in Jesus. That's what the church was supposed to do. And the first century church, man, they took off like gangbusters, didn't they? Like wildfire. says on one day, 3,000 were added to their number. Whew! Man, God must be interested in numbers, some preachers would say. Sure He is. Because every person that represents a number represents a person that Jesus died for. We ought to be concerned about that as well. Amen? Amen? I'll I'll pause. Amen? I'll pause a little more for all of you. Amen. Amen? Woo, Lord have mercy. The church is where lives of sinners and saints intersect. Sinners and saints come together at the church. The church should always be a hospital, not a hotel. A hospital not a hotel. Acts one eight. Turn there in those Bibles you held up and you said were important. Acts one verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and at Reesers. To the ends of the world, ends of the earth. You see, this verse launches the rest of the book of Acts. In chapters 1 through 7, the gospel is spread to Jerusalem. In chapters 8 through 12, the gospel spreads to Judea and Samaria. And then in chapters 13 through 28, the gospel begins to spread throughout the world. In Acts 2, we saw the church grow. In fact, the Bible says that the church grew every day, those being saved. Well, I can assure you it wasn't the apostles alone sharing the salvation message of Jesus Christ. It was everybody sharing it with their friends and brought them to the church so that they could learn too. They could grow too. And so if River Oaks as a church isn't growing, maybe we're not growing in ourselves. How excited are you about the Lord? Well boy, there was a time when I was just on fire. On fire. What happened? You should never be out of fire for the Lord, amen. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say. I'm not eloquent of speech, neither was Moses. See God is able. Amen? God's able. You don't have to have flowery speech. You don't have to have eloquent speeches. hey, look at me. <laughs> Prime example. But everything wasn't perfect. Even though Scripture shows growth, I also think health, being a healthy church, is also a good sign as well. You see, not every church is going to be 5,000. Not every church is going to be 700. Not every church is going to be 70. But all of them are just as needed as the next one. Because what God wants is a healthy church. A church that loves people. A church that loves each other. A church that loves Jesus more than He could ever be loved. A church that will pray. A church when called upon will help. A church that loves young people. A church that loves old people. A church that loves in-between people. (laughs) That should have got everybody. (laughs) You see. But everything wasn't perfect in Acts 5. Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They got together to conspire a plot and cheat the church and get ahead. They did not know the power of it. They could not... Uh, they they tried to cheat the Holy Spirit and Peter prophesied it and they both dropped dead. You see, you're not gonna if you lie to God, you'll pay a price. And they promised to give him some money, it didn't come through. Ah, here he is preaching about money again. No, I'm just telling you, if you make a promise to God, you're going to give him something. You better give it, and if you don't, <laughs> well, and the blessing is removed from your life. God said way back in Genesis that He told Abraham, Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. The nations He was talking about. We should be praying every day that this country never turns its back on God's people in Israel. If we ever do, and God removes the blanket of blessing. But let's not worry about the global aspect, let's worry about our own aspect. When's the last time you promised something to God and you didn't follow through? When's the last time you said, I'm going to take a step up and never left? <laughs> church was already being persecuted in Acts chapter 8. Stephen there is a young man, is preaching, he's a deacon in the church. A guy named Saul comes around. He's a Jew of Jews, educated. Boy, he hated the church. He hated the church. Couldn't stand the church. We live in a time when people don't like the church, they don't like Christians. The atheist wanted the cross beams that came out of the Twin Towers on 9-11 that they've made in the form of a statue in the museum At the World Trade Center, they wanted, the atheists said, they're having convulsions and passing out because that cross is at that museum. I love what the judge said. He said, you prove to me that it's creating problems for you, and then I'll rule on it. Gave them a certain time frame to come back with, with proof that it was absolutely, that cross was absolutely messing them up. They couldn't do it. I love it. Because when you stand up to Satan with the power of God, with the blood of Jesus, guess who can't stay in your presence? Satan. I just can't get over that sin, preachers, because you don't want to get over that sin, preacher. Saul, persecutor of the church. Hated the church. In Acts 9, he's converted. He's <laughs> converted. He sang the song, Blinded by the Light. Well, not, not quite, but that's the only phrase we can pull out of that song that works. But he was, he was blinded by the light on the road to Damascus. And you know the story. Jesus spoke to him. Such a conversion, he went from Saul to the name Paul, because he wanted people to know that the way I, the way I was is no longer, here's the new man and here's where I'm walking. I don't know that you have to be so dramatic as to change your name, but your lifestyle should change dramatically and people should see it. I'll wait. I'll wait. Paul and the early church were a people familiar with God's grace. I mean, Paul's conversion example alone shows grace, doesn't it? How God took a guy that was absolutely hating the church and saved him. So see, there's still hope. There's hope for every atheist. There's hope for every person who says they don't love God. In fact, Paul describes that grace in First Timothy as he's talking to Timothy chapter 1. If you have those Bibles, turn over there, First Timothy chapter 1. Then we'll be back in the book of Acts. But just hold your finger there in Acts and jump over to 1 Timothy 1. <coughs> in 1 Timothy 1, pick it up at verse 13. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, blaspheme the name of Christ. I thought blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was an unpardonable sin. Even though I blasphemed the name of Christ, in my insolence, I. Persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me, because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Jesus Christ. A trustworthy saying is this, everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. See, Paul was not only an example of grace, but a defender of grace. Grace. Now, back to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 15, we find the teaching of the Gentiles and the Jews. (laughs) We see legalism in this chapter. You know what legalism is, don't you, in the church? It's where you have to dress a certain way, act a certain way, sing a certain way, do a certain way, or you're lost. You've got to believe a certain way, or you're lost. Some people believe if you're not one of them, whatever that is, you're lost. <laughs> well, the Muslims come out and call us infidels. One of the seven pillars of Islam is that you kill and destroy and remove all infidels from the earth. The Christians in Iraq were given three options. Convert, pay up, or die. And the uh, radical Muslims were choosing crucifixion for the Christians. They were going along and marking in on their houses. So everyone knew who they were and what they were. So the Gentiles were coming to Christ. And some of these Jews thought, well, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be a Jew. So you're going to have to be circumcised if you really want to be saved. You're not saved enough if you find Jesus. You're saved enough if you do these things too. So you can only sing a certain way. You can only dress a certain way. You can only behave a certain way. When we mention the Holy Spirit, see, boy, that, that stirs a lot in a lot of people. Because they're not sure what to do with that. Some people think you gotta always throw your hands up and shout, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't mean you got the Holy Spirit necessarily. But if a person throws their hands up and wants to praise the Lord, why can't we let them? Amen? And if a person wants to sit and be contemplative, to be spirit touched in a very quiet way, that's all right too, isn't it? Sure it is. Because, see, it's not about what I show, it's about what's moving in me. Does that movement of the Spirit in me cause me to get deeper? Cause me to serve better? Cause me to look around and see what I can do or how I can get more involved? You see what I'm saying? It's not a one size fits all. He's not that kind of God. And so these Jews were saying to the Gentiles, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to follow the Jewish customs also. Wrong. Wrong. Paul called it a yoke of slavery. (laughs) You see, temptation is always to make commandments where God doesn't add to what God says. Ask people to jump through hoops. Hoops that we won't even jump through, but we're going to make sure they jump through because we've been here longer and they just don't know who we are. There's only one hoop that any of us have to jump through. And we can't even jump through that hoop. Jesus is the only one who could jump through that hoop. And guess what? He did. And then guess what? He did that so you wouldn't have to. Amen? I'll pause. There you go. You guys are starting to catch on. Paul would later write, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works. You see, you can't boast about what you do. God's not impressed. <laughs> God's not impressed. Paul's commission was an example of grace. I mean, Saul was an unlikely candidate for church leadership. Paul was an enemy to the early church, hated the church, hunted Christians down. They were actually afraid of him. And we've seen so often throughout this study of the story how God took the most unlikely people to do something great with them to accomplish his purpose. And really, the, in a nutshell, God can use anybody. He's, all He's doing is looking for somebody who's willing. Somebody who's willing. Paul's mission was to take the message of salvation to the ends of the earth, where most Gentiles lived. God used a Jew to reach the Gentiles. He became the leader to take the gospel to the Gentiles in Galatians 1. He said, God set me apart from birth and called me by His grace so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. And we can read in Acts about at least three missionary journeys that Paul went on where he established at least ten churches. Paul wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. But his first missionary journey begins in Acts chapter 13. So turn in those Bibles to Acts chapter 13. And there's three things I want you to know about Paul in the early church. And we see it starting right here in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Paul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. They sent off their most effective communicators and their most dynamic leaders. They sent them off to preach, to share Christ. So the first thing I want you to know about the, Paul and the early church is that they were committed to spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. Here's your, there's your fill-in on your outline. They were committed to spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. They weren't just committed to reaching their neighborhood, their community, their area. That's where, that's where they started, but they weren't content to stay there. So that's why they sent Paul and Barnabas out. That's why we at River Oaks are involved in foreign missions. That's why we have two evangelists we support in India who are reaching thousands. That's why we just sent this young couple to Vanuatu so that Craig could translate more of the Word of God into those languages so those, so more people will know Jesus. Isn't that why we do that? Sure it is. Now we could keep all of our money here and you might say, well, that'd be better spent if we kept it at home. Maybe, maybe not. But we wouldn't be fulfilling the last part of that commission that God said to go to the uttermost parts of the world. We've got to share the message worldwide. Amen. That's why we support John 3.16, so we can do it right here. That's why we support the church camp, so we can do it right here. But we've also got to serve other places. That's why, we, that's why we support our Bible colleges. Because the Bible colleges then take it to the second level, and then to the third level, and then to the fourth level. second thing I want you to know about Paul in the early church is that they went about the mission faithfully. In Lystra, the Jews who were jealous... We're stirring up trouble. In Acts 14, pick it up at verse 19. Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the town thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and ran for his life. You know what your Bible says? <laughs> what does your Bible say he did? He got up and did what? He went back into town. Now I don't know about you, but if somebody's going to stone me with big rocks. I don't know that I'm going to get up. If I can get up. I'm not sure I'm going to get up. And go back into town where they just rock me to death. Okay. But Paul got up and went back into town. Why? Because he wasn't done preaching. Now, I don't know about you. You can have talent or skills. Resources. And many of you have so much more than I do. So many of you have so many more than I do. Why in heaven's name aren't you using those for God? Well, how do you know we're not? (laughs) Raise your hand if you led somebody to Jesus Christ in the last six months. All right, I'll keep preaching. See, the most effective servants are not the most gifted. They are, however, the most faithful. They're not the most gifted, but they are the most faithful. They show up. The mission can be tiring. It can be hard. Praise the Lord, yesterday somebody was here at the church building. I was here and somebody else came through and Went to the bathroom in the back in the nursery. And the water line behind the toilet had sprung a leak. And there was water running everywhere. You know what the great news is? Caught it in time. You got here today, and if I hadn't mentioned it to you, you'd have never known. But I want to thank Aaron Hearn for having enough sense to come in and go to the bathroom in the back. Or Mariah, whoever, needs to go to the bathroom. I'm glad you went back there. would have been a mess to show up this morning and have that water all over the church house. as it probably would have been. Little things like that, amen? It's just little things. But they're important little things, you see. Faithfulness. The mission gets tiring. It gets hard. It's much easier to tune out, to be distracted, to say, I don't have time to get involved. I don't have time to use these gifts that God's given me. I don't have time. You don't understand how busy I am. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start leading. But I've got to wait till tomorrow. I'm so glad that on that day, Jesus didn't wait till tomorrow. Some people believe that you can become a Christian and life gets easier. That's not in the Bible I read. But it does tell me that I've got more power than I've ever had. You see, Satan starts to work on us from the day we say yes to Jesus. And that ought to be an exciting thing for we ought to smile every day when the old devil's laughing at your heels, boy. Trying to get you to go, trying to get you to fall, trying to get your attention, trying to say, Come on now, come on now. Here I go, here I go. You love that buffet. Now come on, preacher. Go to that buffet. You're down in Orlando. Nobody knows you're here. Eat that buffet. Come on now. Come on, preacher. Ain't nobody know you down here. Come on now. Here I go. Come on, preacher. Come on now. Oh, you're in the you're in the airport in St. Louis. Who knows you here? You see what I'm saying? Go buy that, go by that uh, magazine rack over there. Come on, preacher, look in there. See what's in there? Woo, there's some fun stuff on that on that rack in there, preacher. Thank you, sister. Thank you. See, there's a Brahms over there on the hundred first. Then gone from preaching to meddling now. Another thing I want you to know about the Paul and the early church is they went about the mission joyfully. Joy marked that early church. How joyful are we at River Oaks? Are we walk in it and Well, glad to be here. Yeah, good to see you. Oh, we ought to come in the door, hey, hey. We ought to to be like when Don and Verlin see each other. Hey, it's like they hadn't seen each other in forever. Hey, that's the way it ought to be, right? We should greet each other like my grandson greets me every Sunday. Hey, why don't we do that? It's all right. Just throw your arms up and run over there. (laughs) Joy. Joy. Joy in difficult circumstances. Joy is healthy, it's good. And we tend to be joyful when things are good, finances are good. Health is good. Kids are good. And then when it all turns bad, we lose that joy. No! ought to increase. In fact, the second missionary journey. Paul's in Philippi. He has to cast out a demon from a slave girl. In Acts chapter 16, back to your Bible. Acts chapter 16, pick it up in verse 22. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. Not only about you, but if I got beat up and then thrown into prison, man, that doesn't seem right. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the in the stocks, and around midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. And you know what happened after that? <laughs> if you know the story. The place shook. Gates were open. Could have escaped. Because they were praying and singing hymns. Wow! Wow! Holy, holy, holy The Lord God Almighty Was and is and is to come You see, that will be the time when we start to sing. Oh, Lord, my God, amazing grace. Right? (laughs) I know Christians you serve, but they do it grudgingly. They show up, well, here I am. I had to give up a Saturday to be up here to help you out, but here I am. Why don't you just go on back home? Man, such a cheerful spirit, you know. Yeah, yeah. nobody else will show up, so I, here I am. I'd just seem to not get done, wouldn't you? <laughs> Was it were they joyful because of the compelling vision that they'd shared because of the passion of the mission team or was the pastor just so 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 compelling and so uh, uh charismatic that the, they were so joyful no it says in acts 1:8 that they would be empowered by the holy spirit so if the holy spirit is truly in us it should be obvious amen it shouldn't, it shouldn't take rocket science to figure this out. The Holy Spirit, if He's moving in us, something ought to be happening in each of us. We shouldn't be the same. We shouldn't be complacent. We shouldn't sit back and say, I'll wait for somebody else. We should lead the pack in serving. We should lead the pack in giving. We should lead the pack in teaching. We should be leading the pack. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is moving in us. But our tendency is to keep quenching that Spirit. To keep saying, not now, not now, not now, not now. Not now. In fact, Paul says in Galatians 5 we're to walk by the Spirit, we're to keep in step with the Spirit. Why is Paul's mission to the ends of the earth important? Why was that important? Because it was to the Gentiles. And guess what you and I are? Gentiles. And had he not gone to the end of the earth to preach to the Gentiles, you and I would never have heard the message. The book of Acts is our story. The mission of the church is our mission. To be Jesus to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, to our ends of the earth. And in order to accomplish that, God is going to need all of us, all hands on deck, to make it happen. To make it happen. Father, I ask you this morning, as we close our message today, Your message never ends. And God, I'm asking you today, would you be very real and would you be very uh, deliberate in whose heart you touch and prick and stir and move today? God, would they sense the movement of your spirit in such a way that they can't contain it anymore? God, would it be measurable to see the change in them Would it be measurable to see the excitement and enthusiasm return to their life again? Father, there were people, there are people in this room this morning who could be such difference makers if they would just once again surrender their lives to you. If they would just simply get on fire again for you. And Father, rather than getting mad and angry at me because I'm saying something like this, that they get up and demonstrate that you love them and you've died for them and they're going to make sure somebody else knows about it before it's too late. Time is marching to an end. People are lost and dying around us. Do we love them enough? Do we love you enough to even want to do something about it? God, it starts, it starts on our knees in repentance. It starts with that relationship being so real, so vital, that we can't contain it anymore. Oh God, would you do something great today? In Jesus' name. Amen.